So um, the reading is John chapter 8, verses 12 to 30, and I'll just grab one of these. It's on page uh, 24 on these little John's Gospels. So that's uh, John chapter 8, starting at verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And so he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you, much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So we've got a question for us today. Why do people not believe in Jesus? Could it be that they need more evidence? More miracles, or more time to think it through, perhaps? Is it that they won't believe, or that they can't believe? So as we continue going through our series on the anatomy of unbelief, going through John chapters 5 to 10, um, I want us to think about the following points this lunchtime. We'll introduce Jesus' offer. 
And then we'll cover three points. The reason for unbelief, the result of unbelief, and the right response to unbelief. So let's introduce Jesus's offer. Let's look at the opening statement that he makes in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this is one of the I am sayings, one of the seven I am sayings in the gospel. And John lays these out all across. And it emphasizes that Jesus is the light giving God of the Old Testament. It's a massively profound statement. Um, and it would mean something to the Jewish hearers at the time. So I want us to spend a little bit of time sort of digging into it in a bit more detail. So the first statement, he is the light of the world. And as we consider the, the topic of light, I want us to start just with a, uh, a short illustration. Have you ever driven on a dark country road with no street lights, no cat's eyes, no light at all? It's completely dark and you're at the mercy of the full beam of your headlights to light the path ahead of you. And you would be a fool if you did not follow your lights um, or you did not turn them on. Or as I learned the hard way a few years ago, you did not keep them clean. Driving with my dirty and therefore dim headlights, I ended up crashing through a hedge into the field. Now, I couldn't follow the light and there was, it was a disaster. Um, and more seriously, it could have um, cost mine and my sister's life. And thankfully, we are still here today. You see, in the dark, we're at the mercy of the light to direct us. And scientifically, uh, light reveals things. Um, it, it makes things visible. So as the photons hit our retinas, um, we can see. We've not been designed to see in the dark. And once again, we're at the mercy of light. And philosophically, throughout the ages, many religions, cultures, and even fictional books and movies use light to represent good and dark to represent evil. As it happens, today is Diwali, um, the festival of light. I come from a Hindu background, uh, as so do many others on the, on the Zoom call. Um, and as a child, I would light little candles for divas to celebrate the victory of good over evil. And like Hinduism, many other religions celebrate light. But as we see in our passage today, Jesus claims to be the light of the world. That is a bold claim. And in the West, I guess we do have an abundance of light. So we would find it very difficult to appreciate just how precious light is. But imagine living a thousand or thousands of years ago, where there'll only be two sources of light. That is the sun and fire. And so why does Jesus suddenly make this claim about light in our passage? Well, in our passage, Jesus is talking either on the last day of the Feast of Booths or just after. And this, the Feast of Booths, was a, a celebration of the produce of the land that God had given the Jews. And they would live in booths or tabernacles, sort of makeshift, makeshift tents, uh, remembering their ancestors camping in the desert after the Lord had rescued them from being slaves in Egypt. 
And in chapter seven and eight of the gospel, John refers to two key themes that associate with his rescue. They are water and light. Water was miraculously provided for them from a rock in the desert. And God provided a pillar of fire at night to guide them through to the promised land. And so returning to the theme of light, imagine guiding roughly two million people through the wilderness at night. The moon would be too dim. And even with today's technology, it would take a huge amount of power to light the way. See, now we begin to feel just how important light would have been to the original hearers. So let's carry on looking at verse 12. Jesus also says, whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. And just like following this pillar of light for salvation, the prophet Isaiah speaks of a very special servant whom God will send to his people as a savior. This servant would be a light for the nations. I'm just going to read out an extract from Isaiah 42. No need to turn to it, um, but just for your, um, for your notes. It's Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. And this is God speaking to his special servant. Let me read. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. See, God's servant is the Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. He would be a light for the nations, one who will open blind eyes. Actually, we see that later on in this gospel. Jesus is this light of the world, a light for all nations. And so we see his offer to, to lead those who follow him out of the darkness. It's a, it's a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy and of the Exodus. Let's carry on looking at verse 12. Jesus gives the light of life. Now, Jesus isn't referring to a, a light to guide us through our days and to find the right spiritual path here. No, this is the light of life. In the context of John's gospel, this is eternal life. In the Old Testament, the pillar of fire led Israel through the wilderness into the promised land. And here, following Jesus leads us to eternal life. That's eternal life with God. So we've seen Jesus' offer. He's the light of the world. But it's met with unbelief. So let's see the reason for this. So the first main point on the handout is the reason for unbelief. People don't believe because they are walking in darkness. And our passage shows this in two ways. Firstly, they judge according to the flesh, which means they won't believe. And secondly, they are from below, which means they can't believe. So let's just look at how the Pharisees respond to Jesus. We're looking at verse 13 now. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. 
You see, here, the Pharisees challenge Jesus' words, and they call him out to be a liar, effectively. You know, rather than hearing him out and investigating what he has to say, they won't believe, because his words are not enough for them. And if you've been following the series, we saw earlier on in chapter 5 that Jesus wasn't just relying on his words. No, he had many credible witnesses, such as John the Baptist, as well as Jesus' own works. Remember the miracle of the healing of the man by the pool, as well as the scriptures. Remember reading the passage from Isaiah. The Pharisees would know these. And the Father, God himself. So Jesus has many credible witnesses. The, the bottom line is the Pharisees' response has no grounds to challenge his words. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, um, earlier on in chapter 7, um, they were, the Pharisees were arguing about where Jesus came from. You know, rather than thinking about his words and miracles, they were so fixated on the minor and inaccurate detail about him coming from Galilee. And John shows us that they were clearly wrong. It was, it's actually quite interesting. In this gospel, um, John doesn't mention Jesus' birth in Bethlehem or his genealogy um, to defend who he is. Rather, um, he focuses on his divinity. Jesus came from heaven and he will return to heaven. So what's Jesus' diagnosis? Verse 15 tells us that they are judging according to the flesh. Or in other words, they are judging according to their, their fallen human or sinful nature. And last week we looked at Nicodemus, who was one of the Pharisees, uh, and he even challenged their judgment earlier on in chapter 7. But they didn't even want to hear him. See, even these religious leaders, these experts on the scriptures, they judge according to their own fallenness. They simply won't believe in him. And today, many people do get hung up about minor indifferences and controversies rather than examining what Jesus actually did and said. I mean, it's, it's much easier to watch a controversial documentary on YouTube than actually reading an eyewitness account such as these Gospels, isn't it? They judge according to the flesh. And Jesus responds by saying, I judge no one. And here, he's referring to his time on earth now, so in the Gospels. He has come to save, but there will be a time where he comes again. And at that time, it will be to judge. And moving on, in verses 21 to 24, Jesus offers a second diagnosis for their unbelief. And so he said to them again, I'm reading from verse 21, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And so the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And this is the second time that Jesus mentions that he's going away in these chapters. But this time he adds us a little bit to this sentence. He says, you will die in your sin. And the Jews seem to completely miss the statement. They're, they're unable to understand him and are now fixated on whether he will kill himself. 
And so what's the reason that they can't come where Jesus is going? Well, quite simply, diagnosis number two in verse 21 is they are from below. Unlike Jesus, who is from above, he is not of this world. And being from below means that they can only comprehend the things of earth, not the spiritual things of above. You see, they are not able to believe. They simply can't believe. Despite their religious training in the scriptures, Jesus' diagnosis is that they are still from below, not even able to comprehend the things of heaven, where God is and where Jesus is going. And even today, there are many who study the Bible intensely, but fail to recognize who Jesus is. Their hours of study or qualifications mean nothing unless they are born again from above. They need divine help. So we've seen that the the Pharisees and the Jews in this passage are are judging according to the flesh. They won't believe. And they are from below. They can't believe. And these two diagnoses have a root cause. They are outcomes of walking in darkness. The reason for their unbelief is that they walk in darkness. And this is just as absurd as as choosing not to follow the pillar of fire, but rather to stumble around in the darkness as the Israelites were rescued from Egypt. So moving on, let's look at where this walking in darkness leads to. Point number two, what is the result of unbelief? John will show us here that unbelief has a trajectory. It actually has a regression. It leads them from not knowing the father, dying in their sin, and then being judged. So let's just start at verse 17, see where it, how it leads to them not knowing the father. Jesus says, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. See, when the Pharisees challenged Jesus as testimony, he uses the law and law required at least two witnesses for a fair trial. Um, And in this case, Jesus is offering himself uh, and God the Father as witnesses. But when they ask, the Pharisees ask to see the Father, Jesus' response in verse 19 is quite shocking. Do you see the order in how he says this? If they knew Jesus, they would know the Father. Jesus makes the Father know. But in their rejection of Jesus, the result is that they don't know the Father. They don't know God. Remember, he's speaking to the religious elite here. These are the ones who taught the scriptures to the Jews. And we see that the result of their unbelief regresses even further. So let's look at verses 21 to 24. And see if you can actually notice this repetition here. Verse 21, he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jew said, will he kill himself since he says, 
where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. See, continuing to walk in darkness, in unbelief, leads to a greater disaster. You know, just as driving in the dark without headlights. But in this case, they will die in their sins. See, rejecting Jesus is not neutral. It's not neutral ground. There is a consequence. And we regress further still. The Pharisees' continual walking in darkness, in unbelief and rejection of Jesus, ends up in judgment from God. Verse 26 shows us, Jesus says, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that what I have heard from him, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Jesus will judge rightly because he judges with truth alongside the Father. And so we've seen the result of unbelief. Continue to walk in darkness leads to not knowing God, which leads to dying in your sins, which results in judgment and condemnation. And so this leads us to our final point, point three, the right response. We saw earlier, Jesus says, whoever follows him will have the light of life. And we've seen the responses of unbelief and its root cause, as well as where it leads to. So what is the right response? Well, the right response is to believe, is to have faith in Jesus and follow him. And John shows us that this means to believe that Jesus is, I am, the God of the Old Testament. And this is done as you look at him on the cross. Verse 24 makes this point. <coughs> I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And Jesus says to the Jews that if they believe that he is I am, they will be saved. The phrase I am he is actually better translated I am, which doesn't really much, make much sense in English. But Jesus is purposely using the name I am here. And he's, do, he's doing that to show them that he is the covenant-keeping saviour God of the Old Testament. You know, just as the Israelites needed the rescue from slavery in Egypt, Jesus offers them a rescue from the slavery to sin, from darkness, by being the light that takes them and us to eternal life. And verse 28 sort of explains how this works. And Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is, is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus says that when they have lifted him up, and this is a play on words, it refers to him being exalted, but also him being lifted up on the cross. Both are the same. When he is lifted up on the cross, all who look upon him will be saved. And this is language from John chapter 3. 
So Jesus and the Father are united in the work of the cross. It has always been part of the plan. It will take Jesus' death on the cross for them to believe that he is I am. And if they believe that, they will be saved. Trusting in God's servant, the saviour, who is to be the perfect sacrifice for their sin. That's what they need to be saved. And as we look to the end of our passage, we read in verse 13, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. It says many believed in him as he was saying these things. They heard Jesus' words, his testimony, and they believed. His words were sufficient for them. So what is the right response to unbelief? Well, it is to believe in Jesus and to follow him. For he is the light of the world that leads us to eternal life. So coming back to our question, why do people not believe in Jesus? Well, I hope that we've seen that the root cause is that they are walking in darkness. And so as a result of that, they judge him according to their flesh, to their own simple hearts and worldly standards. They are from below. They can only think of things of earth and can't comprehend the things of heaven. They do need a miracle. They need to follow the light, the light of the world, in order to believe. And the cross is where this happens. When the Son of Man is lifted up, when the sin that enslaves us to darkness, when that sin is dealt with, then they are freed from the darkness and can follow Jesus, the light of the world, and have eternal life. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for these words. And we pray for those who won't and can't believe in the Lord Jesus, that they may have mercy on, that you may have mercy on them and supernaturally open their spiritual eyes and give them sight so that they may see and therefore follow the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for allowing us to see him, that Jesus' finished work on the cross allows us to have eternal life. And so please keep us abiding in Jesus until we reach our home above. Amen.